way. And down there at the end of this road would be bad friends. And you shouldn't have bad friends. The people you hang around are the people you're like. So you should choose the right friends in life, right? So you shouldn't go that way, but you're going to be tempted to go that way because we all have a sin nature, don't we? We want to do the things that are wrong. Guess what? You get to do something too, all right? You are going to go that direction, toward that window. You got it? When I tell you in just a minute, okay? And uh, let's see, we're going to make that, we're going to make that cigarettes. No Christian should smoke cigarettes. No Christian should go into a bar and drink for their testimony's sake and for the glory of God because it can control their life. No Christian should in, be involved in smoking, right? Yeah. No Christian should, and no Christian should have bad friends, right? Okay, so there's the bar, there's the cigarettes, there's the bad friends. In a moment, you're going to go. When they start, in your motherly voice, like you would tell them, now don't scream it, all right? But uh, you see your kids go in the wrong direction, what would you do? What would I do? Yeah. All right, there you go. So you're going to holler that message as they start to head the wrong direction. Go, go, start heading the direction I told you to head. All right, now, Tim, Timothy, you keep going. Just don't listen, all right? All right, keep telling them. All right, all right, thank you very much, okay? Come on back here. Now, you say, why in the world did you do that? Come back right here for a minute, okay? Come on back here, if you would, for a minute. Stay away from those bad friends. All right, there you are. Did you hear? Did you hear wisdom cry? We have looked in Proverbs chapter one about how wisdom cries, and I've, I've been thinking about how how we could describe that, because the Bible says in chapter one, wisdom cries out in public places. You know how it does it. All right, grab your Bible and look at Proverbs chapter 1, and you three can go back to your seats. Thank you for your help. They did a good job, and mother, you did a good job in your motherly voice. By the way, quite honestly, you won't be around probably when they make choices sometime later on, but you know what? They will be hearing the voice of wisdom. We already looked in chapter 1, did we not? At how wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief places of concourses. In the opening of the gates in the city, she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? Stop! Don't do that! Don't go there! Don't go to those friends. Don't go to that place. Don't get involved in that vice of smoking. Don't! Do it. Wisdom is crying all the time. So how does wisdom cry? This has really uh, been made clear as I've been reading through the book of Proverbs a little bit more. Look, if you would, at chapter 1 and, and verse 8. How does wisdom cry? How does wisdom cry? There's no voice. Hey, listen, Timothy, Timothy, Someday, when you have to make a choice, your friends are all going to the wrong kind of place, a bar or someplace you shouldn't go as a Christian, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Is there going to be a voice saying, Timothy, don't go in there. 
Timothy, don't go in there. That's bad. Is there going to be a voice actually, literally, physically crying? There isn't. That's right. That's right. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, I think this is wonderful. And my son, hear the instruction of thy father, forsake not the law of thy mother. Look in chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Do you know what the promise seems to be in the book of Proverbs about how wisdom actually cries? It's that. Young people, or those being involved, those wanting to go the wrong direction, will remember the instruction of their parents. Now, whether they listen to it or not, right, Timothy? Whether they listen to it or not is a decision they will have to make. And that's what Proverbs 1 describes, doesn't it? Wisdom is crying all the time. Wisdom is saying, don't go in there. And you know who told them that? Mom. Dad. For years. And mom and dad aren't there when they're out in the public place and they're thinking about taking that cigarette for the first time. They're thinking about hanging around with the wrong friends. But in their heart, in their mind, wisdom is crying, saying, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't choose those friends. Don't go that direction. Now, it will be up to them. Young people, someday you three will have to make decisions about your friends the things that you'll get involved in and the places you'll go. And you need to listen to the cry of wisdom because God warns us in his word, if we don't listen to it, we'll be in bad shape. But the truth is, kids don't aren't the only ones who need that message. Because the truth is, our hearts also are drawn to things that we shouldn't do. And we know it. Oh, no, we may not have a problem with those vices because, well, we haven't... Never had a drink. I've never had a problem with smoking. I've never had a, you know, or don't have, don't have any friends to hang around right now. Okay? Maybe those things aren't our issues, but all of us have things that we battle with, and wisdom is crying. You know how, how, it's, how it's crying? The instruction. I, you know, I still hear the instruction of my dad and mom. And it, wasn't, it isn't just my dad and mom. It's the instruction I've heard throughout the years from God's, Word through preachers and other things who have constantly told me the truth of God's Word. And as I was thinking through this passage and thinking about the fact that we're going to deal with wisdom again, it just struck me that wisdom is crying out. It's crying to everyone who has been taught and heard those things that are right, whether that's from their parents or from their pastor or from people in life who have given them counsel and guidance and have said, hey, this is not the smart thing to do. This is not the place to go. These are not the people to hang around. All those things God uses to bring persons to a place where they say, I'm going to listen to wisdom. And if you do, whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. You know, you don't have to worry if you don't hang around with the wrong friends about getting in trouble because the wrong friends are doing wrong things and you get in trouble with them. You don't have to worry. You know what? You will never have to worry about quitting smoking if you don't smoke the first time. You won't ever have to worry about, about getting, being able to say no to walking by a bar if 
just never go in the first place and you're convinced that what you've been taught is right. Um, so may we be people who listen to wisdom. And so chapter 2 is going to deal with that subject again. Surprise, surprise. But throughout this book, we are going to be confronted with lessons about wisdom. And that's not a bad thing. We may look at it and say, you know, Pastor, you've already dealt with this. You've already spent a couple weeks on verses 20 to 33. We've already talked about the fear of the Lord as a beginning of wisdom in verses 7, 8, and 9. We've looked at how uh, wisdom says no to sinners, but God takes time in chapter 2 and deals with the subject through the whole chapter again. And he has more for us to learn. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. And he's going to help us some more with this subject. We're going to, uh, we entitled the lesson, maybe we could have done it differently, but wisdom obtained and observed. Wisdom obtained and wisdom observed. In the first nine verses, we're going to see wisdom obtained. In verse uh, 10 and on through verse 22, we're going to see wisdom observed. What does wisdom do? How does wisdom act? Uh, what is going to take place when you are wise? Now, I'm going to read these verses for you. Uh, I know we're not going to get very far because I knew I was going to take a little time with that illustration, but I, I think it really just reminds us how, how it all works. And sometimes we need to think about that. But um, I, as we read, I, I want you to think about something. Pay attention to what I'll call if-then propositions. Okay? If-then propositions. There are actually two in this chapter, uh, you're going to find in the first part, the, the if-then is very clear. In the second part, the if-then isn't as clear because you won't see, I don't think, those words per se, but there is an if-then proposition. Now, do you know what I mean by that? If you do this, then this will happen. Then you can expect this. So, Chapter 2, if we wanted to kind of give you a, a, a heads up, it's an if-then chapter. So I'm going to read, and then I want you to tell me what the if-thens are, okay? The if-then propositions. My son, <laughs> don't miss it. If, there you go, I'm trying to help you a little bit. If thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. 
When wisdom entereth into thy soul, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, uh, from the man that speaketh froward things, who lead the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the God of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Pretty straightforward messages, isn't there? Now, did you catch the if-then scenarios? I'll ask you about them right after we pray. Lord, we do need understanding now. I pray that you'd help us to clearly grasp the wonderful truth of this passage and apply it to life. Help us to learn about the uh, how wisdom is obtained and then uh, what we observe about wisdom. And I, I pray that uh, these lessons would be of great help to our spiritual lives and our walk with you. And challenge us about that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, help me out. Give me the if, the if-then proposition in the first nine verses. It's actually the if, 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 then. If, 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 if then, then. Say, I don't have any idea. Yes, ma'am. I saw. The, I see the hand. Should I read them off? Oh, just, just give me some of the if, the if proposition. How about that? Is there another if, or did I, did I, oh, I guess it was three. Sorry, I, I gave you an extra if. <coughs> All right. So then give me the, so then give me the thens. Someone, someone, someone else going to get call on someone else here. No, I'm not going to call on someone else. All right, where, where is that? All right, verse five is the then. Very, very good. All right, in these first nine verses, we have what we'll call the, the search for wisdom. And the if-thens uh, really lay out the search for wisdom. And we'll talk about it uh, here a little bit more. But let me do this. Since I said I wanted to ask you, did anyone catch the if-then of verses 10 to 22? Because it's not exactly if-then. It's not worded that way, but it is pretty much this scenario. If you'll do this, then you can expect this. Did anyone get it? Okay, verse 10 is the if. When wisdom entereth into thy heart. If, if wisdom entereth into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Did, did you have something, or were you...
Verse 20, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men. Okay, um, actually, that's going to probably be more of the then, a little bit of the then proposition. The if is, when wisdom entereth into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Quite honestly, the rest of it is the then. But, um, for example, first thing would be, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, and then it's going to do some things. So the thens, actually, some, some more of the thens, would be in, how about, look for the word two. To walk in the ways of uh, before that, let's see, I'm trying to see. Okay, it'll deliver thee from the way of, verse 12, the evil man, and then what else? Okay, it'll, and, and there's actually a number of, of people in scenarios, descriptions of them. And then do you see another two? That's right. So look, if wisdom will enter in your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul, then it'll deliver you from the way of the evil man. It will deliver you from the strange woman. It will lead you to walk in the way of good men, okay, and the paths of righteousness, and then he talks about basically the reward. He does the same thing he does at the end of chapter 1. He talks about the simple are going to be slain in verse 32, and those who do that which is right are going to be rewarded. In, verse, in chapter 2, he talks about the upright first, and he says they'll be blessed and the wicked will be cut off. Really, there's, there's quite a parallel picture. But the if-thens are quite stark and they're quite clear in this passage if you take time to read it through and really think it through. So let's talk about, in verses 1 to 9, Roman numeral 1, the search for wisdom. And a couple of things I just want to mention about this and take some time to think through. First of all, notice it's a willing choice. Say, if thou wilt receive my words. He doesn't say, hey, hey, look, if... Uh, if, if you receive some special blessing from the Lord and then you, it doesn't suggest in any way that this is anything that a person can't make a choice to do. If someone says, well, I couldn't help myself, they're liars. If someone says, well, th this is just the way I am and it's, it's my makeup, they, they don't understand that you can make a choice to do that which is right. And this passage reveals that. If thou wilt receive my words, you can receive them. You can have open ears, or you can close your ears. Now, who closed their ears? At least I told them to close their ears to the instruction of mom, of the three children. Who closed their ears to the instruction of mom? Are you listening? Someone's in his own little world. Who closed their ears to the instruction of mom? Actually, the truth is, you listen real carefully. Your mom must really have that voice. She, <laughs> that's good. She's been teaching you right. But you went on your way, didn't you, Timothy? Okay? And that wasn't a right thing. You have a choice to make. If. You'll receive my words. If you'll hide my commandments, if you will do this, if you will make the choice, it needs, it's a willing choice that one can make. Now, it may, be, it may be kind of hard to do these things. It may be hard to attain these things because the enticement of the flesh wants to take us away from God. 
But it's not impossible. It is a, a choice that someone needs to make. Then notice this. We learn the first two words of verse 1 say, say what? Okay, so it's a choice. It's an individual choice. My son. It gives us a directive individually. This isn't a corporate decision. This is not something you, your sibling must do or your mate must agree to. You can make the choice to do it. See, the truth is, with the three kids, when wisdom was crying, right? Was wisdom crying, Benjamin, a little while ago? Okay, yeah, your mom, right? Okay, and by the way, she is pictured in chapter 1, verse 8 as wisdom. Okay, there you go. Just wanted you to know that. Your mom is very wise. All right, when wisdom cries, you have a choice to make, and it's an individual choice. Truth is, Benjamin, you may make the right choices, but Timothy may not. Timothy may make the right choices, but you may not. Your sister may make the right choice, and both boys may do that which is wrong. You see, each individual has a responsibility to make a choice. No one can say, well, if my sister didn't encourage me, if she didn't push me, I wouldn't have pushed her. Does that ever happen at your house? Never. No. Okay, I'm sure it doesn't. Never happened in my house growing up either. Yeah, you're laughing because it all happened in your houses, didn't it? All right? The truth of the matter is we all have to make the choice, and it's an individual choice. And we can do that which is right if, and I'm encouraged by that, it's a willing choice. A well-known public speaker gave this illustration about choices, and he began with these words, and I think they're, they're fitting. Uh, to the opening of this chapter, which keeps telling us, if thou criest after knowledge, if you'll seek after silver, if you'll make that choice. He said this, think carefully about, he said it this way. Would it surprise you to learn that everything in your life right now is pretty much the way you made it? From the hundreds of options, you chose your responses to whatever situations presented themselves. Would you not agree that you have exercised the capacity to choose what you've received? If so, doesn't it stand to reason that if you made the choice in the first place, you can change it? What a powerful notion. Whatever happens to you, you can say, I am the master of my life. I'm going to change the choice that I've made. And I'm thankful that people can do that, aren't you? I'm thankful that your life could perhaps have been one where you made wrong choices and you didn't listen to wisdom cry. You didn't do the ifs. But at any time, you can have a change of mind. And you can begin listening because it is a choice. It's an individual choice that you can make at any time. And God urges us to be people who, if we've been going down the wrong path and, you know what I mean, to wisdom, that we just make the choice we're going to open our ears and listen and start following. And we can. And I'll tell you something, I wouldn't want to be a preacher if people couldn't do that. Do you know one of the things that I think was really discouraging for, for Jeremiah and prophets like him? God told them, they're not going to listen to you. That is discouraging. Now, the, the truth of the matter is that happens all the time. 
But what is encouraging to me is that God always gives us the hope that someone will start to open their ears and listen and make the right choice. The challenge of these verses is that you can listen. In spiritual matters, what you choose, you become, and so our passage relates. You can choose wisdom. You can go another way. Honestly, there's going to come a time when you won't be able to stop Timothy. That's scary, isn't it? And what you're doing now is very important. Because that's going to be the voice that's crying to him later on. But he'll have to make his own choices. And so will your daughter. And there will come a time when you can't do any more, but they can choose wisdom. And the same is true of us. You can wonderfully, God allows an old dog to learn new tricks. Because we're not dogs. We're human beings. And God's spirit can do miraculous things inside if we let them. And so we find this instruction in these four verses. My son, the individual, you can make the right choice if you will. There's a challenge found in the two, ver two verses, first two verses, and it, and it goes back to uh, parents, and I'm going to say grandparents, because Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 6, uh, even though it's not mentioned here, Deuteronomy 4 and 6 remind us that grandparents have this job as well. Because our... Okay, most most folks here, kids are, well, no, half the folks here, kids are out of the house. Half they're not. Um, for the half that aren't, they aren't, um, look at verses 1 and 2 and tell me what is the instruction for you. Come on, help me out. Think about this. Is there something for those who have kids in the home right now and for grandparents too? Okay, hey, hey, listen. Repeatedly, the author says, my son, listen, here. And do you know what the whole idea is? He's been teaching. So moms and dads have kids in the home. And by the way, those who ki whose kids are gone, there's still a responsibility. And grandkids, there's a responsibility. So... Whenever God gives this opportunity, it's time to instruct. Now you say, well, my kids are out of the home and they won't let me talk to them anymore. I understand. <laughs> I understand. I'm there. I know. That's why parents with kids now take advantage of the opportunity. Do you know how old his son was? We, we, we don't know. But he did talk to the son about rejoicing with the wife of his youth. So he wasn't just a little kid, at least from every understanding. Unless the father was speaking about a day when he would get married. That's possible. But the point is, of verses 1 and 2... Is that when we have opportunity, let's take advantage of the opportunity. Gettys have kids to influence. They need to hear from mom and dad the word. 
and truth of God's Word. The Days, the Duncans, our kids, kids, grandkids, as we have opportunity, let's take advantage to share with people the truth of God's Word. Now, not only does it take uh, a willing choice, but it takes a wholehearted commitment. Do you see that? Look at these first four verses uh, one more time. And this is where I told you I wouldn't get far, right? This is where we're going to rest. But I want you to listen to these words. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. Do you, do you see a real intensity in these verses? And do you see how God urges people to follow after wisdom? It's not just, yeah, ma, I heard you. But there ought be an attitude that says, my parents have something of great value to tell me. I'm going to listen carefully. I want it. And it's not just those three people that need to be saying that. It's us with the word of God on a daily basis. I want this for me. I want it. I'm going to seek it like I would seek silver. I'm going to seek, I'm going to search it. I'm going to value it like I would value gold. I am going to make this important. It is a wholehearted commitment. It's not, by the way, wisdom doesn't come by accident. If you will, if you'll apply yourself, if you will give yourself to this like this is very valuable, then that's God's promise. This is a promise. This is one of those, I can expect God's help if I'll do what God tells me in these first four verses. Wholehearted commitment. The Olympics have been canceled. You know that, don't you? Ah, oh, what a shame, right? Love to see athletes who have trained and given their best. And man, they can do amazing things, can't they? Do you know if they were to have the Olympics, they would interview 18 million people during the Olympics because they always do. And they'll tell you the story behind it and everything else. And a lot of times it's just like, oh, please, let's move on, you know. But they'll tell you the story and everything else. But what you will find and what you will learn most from most every one of those athletes is that they just have given their lives to win. They've totally dedicated to them, themselves to it. So much so that um, uh, sleep, diet, everything in their life is micromanaged so they might be the best. And those are the ones that win, generally. It's the ones that really wholeheartedly give themselves to it. Now, do some just have raw talent? Yes, but even those people, if they're going to be at the top of their game and beat competitors that when we're talking about like one one-hundredth of a second difference, <coughs> you got to be committed. <coughs> and my friends, that's what God says in, in Proverbs. If you're going to have wisdom, you got to be committed. And the more you're committed, the better you'll be.
challenging, isn't it? The choice is yours, and the commitment determines the result. Your choice, your commitment will determine the then that's found in this passage. Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for